when you have something like that, you're almost like another person. And you're like, who is this person that's waking up and screaming till their like mouth is filled with blood in the middle of the night, you know? And how do I find enough peace and centering before bed that that doesn't happen again? That was Allison Ty. And I'm Brad. And this is Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. Episode 11 from Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. Today I had an amazing conversation with one of the world's toughest mutters, Allison Ty, or as she's known on Instagram and uh, Facebook, Yo Mama So Fit. Yeah, Allison's an amazing human. We had a great conversation. We talked about uh, being a, being the world's toughest mutter. And since 2017, Allison has raced in seven toughest world's toughest mutters she's had seven podiums and that means top three finishes and not only did she have seven top three finishes three of those were first place finishes so allison actually has more tough mutter podiums than anyone man or woman on the planet she in may she raced in 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 the world ocr world champion world championship enduro 24-hour race in Australia, which she won. She raced in that same month in Australia's toughest mutter, eight-hour race, which she won, and then came home and raced in Whistler, in the toughest mutter Whistler. She finished second, and she raced, and then she flew to Boston and raced in the toughest mutter East. It's a 40-mile race in Boston, and she won. We talk about her preparation. We talk about health. We talk about fitness. We talk about her racing. We talk about her family. We talk about her amazing facility that we actually got a chance to, we had a a workout before we did the interview. So that was awesome. We did a little Spartan race training, uh, at her gym, Van City OCR, which is the first uh, American Ninja Warrior facility in Vancouver area and the lower mainland. We talk about her obstacles, we talk about when she grew up and where she grew up and how she started running and just some amazing stories. And we get into her struggles and dealing with PTSD as a result of a biking accident, which is an amazing story in itself. So I know you're going to love this conversation. Please listen all the way through. It's a great conversation with my new friend, Yo Mama So Fit. Allison Ty. Enjoy. I'm here with Allison Ty. But uh yeah, we uh I came here early this morning. I had to get up nice and early. Allison invited me for a six AM is that did we call it the S G X workout? Is that what we what we just did? Yeah, the yeah, it's uh Spartan, Spartan training. Spartan, Spartan training, training yeah. yeah. So that was pretty good. So uh Laney, the trainer. Uh, awesome trainer kicked our butts today or kick my butt anyways i don't no, know kicked kicked mine too. Yeah. that was a getter that was especially a good. first thing in the morning yeah. it's always good to get one of those just solid hour workouts in, yeah so. a little 35 minute amrap and some some hollow rocks i used to i used to get the guys at work uh with the hollow rocks they're like what is this i haven't done those in so long so they're gonna when i i'll, I'll let a couple of them know that we that we did tabata hollow rocks so oh, they're, they're get awful a good, they'll get a good kick out of that so you were just in, you were a month away, you left in May, and you raced in the World OCR, or 
OCR World Championships Enduro Race. Is yeah, that yeah, what you call it? Yeah, long enough name, hey? Yeah. And so you won that race. Yeah. And then like two, three weeks later, was it even that long that yeah, you... Yeah, three weeks later. Three weeks later. So it was... Um, so I did Texas, the toughest. So yeah. the toughest is an obstacle course race. It's basically a Tough Mudder. Yeah. And you run it in laps overnight. So it starts at midnight and right. it ends at 8 a.m. And so I did Texas and I finished second to uh, Rhea Coble, who's a phenomenal OCR athlete there in Texas. And then came back, got ready, hopped on a plane and went to Australia <laughs> and then did their toughest there. Yeah. And I won that one. And then three weeks later, I did the obstacle course race, World Championships, 24-hour enduro. Yeah. Uh, won that one, came back and then got off a plane on Thursday went to Whistler, which is not too far from where we are, but yeah. rented the car, jumped in, drove down to Whistler, and then I did a 10-mile, which um, in you know relative terms is a sprint, yeah, and yeah. Uh, came second to Lindsay Webster. And then last, so the, a week from then, I was in Boston, so this past weekend, and I did another of these overnight races. Yeah. So midnight to 8 a.m., and I won that one. So that's uh, been my early season here. It was Holy quite cow. a, yeah, it was quite a haul. There was a lot of races there, but. Uh, so it was like six weeks, yeah, basically just like four non-stop. races. Yeah, and we did a lot of traveling in Australia. Right. So it ended up being a really busy, you know, a month and a half yeah. or something, but it was just wonderful. And I thought I'd be burned out, but I'm totally not. Yeah. So it's good news. How, how much time, how much off time did you guys have in Australia? So you had the whole family down there. Yeah, my yeah. two littles, and we drove around with uh, a camper van, and we went to, you know, like the Great Barrier Reef and a sheep station and did the kind of touristy nice. stuff. And my husband's really good. He's, like, my pit crew during races, but yeah. he's also very sportive and, like, a coach. And he's uh, also a massage therapist, which, oh, you know, it's, like, helps. the whole package. Yeah. Um, but he's, so he'd drop me off and be like, okay, so run to the other side of this trail, and then he'd meet me there with the kids and – you know, we'd go to a park and I'd just do circuits around. So nice. I managed to get the training in, but uh, it was kind of, it almost felt like a break for training because yeah. it wasn't like, okay, so this is your routine. It was kind of like finding ways to put it in in different, nice. you know, senses. So yeah. it was, it was fun. And uh, we got the touristy stuff in at the same time. So that was, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, is it different doing the training? Like you're, t- you just said the training, uh, you had some time to train, but is it interesting to just, to have to do that to have to find your own you know ways to train when you're in another country and you don't have a regular gym to go to or, or do the training you do yeah well my i'm on the yancey camp um so it's a popular program in ocr so my coach was still sending me workouts oh, okay. but <clears throat> half the time they'd be like and dumbbell snatches and they're like oh i don't have a dumbbell so yeah, yeah, yeah. half the time it's like trying to figure out okay like trying to replicate explosive hip movement with something um, I did a lot of pull-ups on really weird things yeah. because um, a lot of the parks in Australia don't have monkey bars like they have here, and that was kind of in my head what I was relying on. So oftentimes it would be like a gazebo or something, and I'd just be doing like pull-ups on the ledge or right. something, anything I could find really. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's uh, I've done that in uh, we were in Hawaii and found a couple of good branches on the beach, and it's it's interesting. You just you know if you if you're motivated to to work out, you'll find a way or you'll find an excuse, right? I guess that's, that's exactly sort of, oh, if you're motivated to work out, you will find a way. And if you're motivated here. to not work out, anything yeah. gets in your way. Because right? really, you could work out right here with no equipment if you absolutely had to. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Floor, so. Yeah. It all comes down to the motivation, right? Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. And just I mean, you, you talk about you talk about your um, 
your races and and you you kind of downplay it a little bit like you win you know you, oh and I won that one I won that one but really I mean it is pretty amazing what you've done and uh, just some of the stuff I was researching and in you know in the past couple of days about the tough mutter and looking at your history in the tough mutter with seven so there's you've raced in seven tough mutters and you've had seven podium finishes which is a top three finish and three wins yeah somewhere right. around there yeah like <laughs> i mean that's uh, that's pretty amazing the, the the toughest mutter not just tough mutter is yeah. that yeah. yeah so they call it so they have a one mile which is like crossfit obstacles mixed with um regular obstacles crossfit stations i guess mixed with regular obstacles and they call that the fittest mm -hmm. and then the 10 mile they call the fastest and then the eight hour they call it the toughest um, cause it does, it takes, you know, it takes a fair amount of athleticism, mm -hmm. but more than that, it just takes that mindset right. that you're just going to keep going no matter what, and that you're going to be able to like push really hard and dig really deep and, um, just kind of keep that. It's, you know, they always say it's like 90% mental, 10% physical. And, right. you know, there's definitely some truth in that is yeah. that it just takes keeping your mind together for the long hauls, especially right. for like a 24 hour race, right. you know, when you're like dead tired six hours in and you're like, and I still have 18 yeah. hours yeah, of yeah. this obstacle that I hate that I keep seeing on the same lap to do. Right. So it's about like finding different ways to uh, keep yourself like in a good mindset and stuff right. like that. So it's really, it's kind of neat because it's a really good crossover just to life. Right. Yeah. Um, just in terms of being a better human and, and different things that I do, like I'm a mom, right? So yeah. I, I really do feel like long distance obstacle course racing has really brought a lot to who I am as a mom as right. well. And so what it, what actually, when you're in those races or, you know, what, what does motivate you to keep going? I know it mostly, you know, it does come from inside, but is there things that motivate you or I know if your kids are there maybe seeing them or you know. oh that definitely brings yeah. me up like last in the uh they're not normally well for the longer races they usually are there because I don't do too many um and my husband usually pits for me with the girls so seeing them definitely um you know put some pep in my steps sometimes they'll come over and give me a little hug or something and then you know I'll have um just that kind of renewed sense of happiness in my heart um but Different things. So, you know, when you're doing a multi-lap obstacle course race, you're passing people that you either don't know or just, like, wonderful people that are out there kind of suffering the same as you. And so just those, like, little micro-connections when you're running along the course really, like, um, make a big difference. If you were running out there by yourself, it would be a thousand times harder. So it's just these, like, little, like, oh, you know, you're, you're doing well or, hey, I like your socks or whatever. And you just have these little micro-moments that kind of, like, buoy you along. Um, so that's a big part. And then I also just like to focus on things that make me happy. So versus like, you know, they had a really big cliff jump, which freaked me out last year at World's Toughest Mudder. I do not like falling. Um, and so every lap, the first time I did that, I'd find I was like slowing down getting there. And then now I, I would not think about it until I got to the very edge of the cliff. And then I'd be like, oh, I hate this. And then I jump. Um, but I didn't allow myself much time to think about it because you're just making yourself suffer, right? So I just would not think about it until I was right there, and then I'd allow myself like a second to hate it, and then it was done. 
Um, but just trying to like control your emotions right. that way. And then just focusing on like, I'm not going to focus on the cliff, but I'm going to focus on the fact that the sun is coming out, right. you know, and oh, how does that feel on my back? Or, you know, oh, these trees are just beautiful in this one area. Right. So I just try to focus on like, or oh, I li really like this obstacle where you swing across on the rings or, right. you know, find the things that you really like and focus on how those, those things make you feel. Right. No, that's awesome because really, um, you know, on the journey that I've been on too and learning about, you know, thinking about stuff in the future or thinking about stuff in the past, right? Like, I guess really being able to learn how to be in the present moment. I mean, like you said earlier, it translates into life as well, right? So in racing, yeah, you want to just try and, I guess, be in that present moment because if you, if you think about, what's ha what's coming up you know that's kind of where anxiety you know we think it's, it makes you anxious or makes you think about not thinking about what you're actually doing right in this moment and just kind of enjoying the moment and then like you said actually physically uh, or mentally making yourself think of something that makes you happy like that is truly keeping yourself in the present moment so Oh, yeah. And it works even like for a workout. I'll look at my training plan and be like, oh, I hate that workout. You know, it's so hard. I'm going to feel awful um, and it's going to hurt. But then I think about it and I'm like, OK, so I've, I've had my 10 seconds of thinking like this is going to be awful yeah. and whatever. And then I just don't think about it, right. you know, and you just go in and you do it and you kind of shut off and zone out. And by the time it's over, you feel great because right. you did it. Right. So. And I think, too, you can kind of focus on that feeling of, like, accomplishment yeah. for a really hard workout rather than focusing on the pain that the workout is going to cause, right? So it's all just about where you're going to put your focus, right. you know, on how accomplished you'll feel or how hard the workout's going to be. Right. So, I mean, it works in a lot of different ways, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And, like, it just makes me think, did you – is that something that you feel like you just had or – is it something you've had to kind of work on over time? And, and, you know, because that's a lot of people, you know, might not have that normally. And all they focus on is, you know, the, the negative. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, that is not something that comes naturally to yeah. me. <laughs> it's just long distance racing and doing right. really hard stuff. Um, and so even like the cliff, it took me, um, so that's the obstacle where it's like 40 feet, you jump into water. Um, and I hate falling. I don't even like jumping off something that's like a foot. Right. Yeah. So, um, that was a huge challenge for me. And I had to like slowly work my way off of different dive towers yeah. to kind of get there. Um, but it's something I would stay up all night, just like freaking out, you know, catastrophizing about the cliff and making it a thousand times worse than right. it actually is. Um, but it's something that I now appreciate because, it taught me so much, you right. know, and it's an obstacle that's given me so much like heartache and pain, you know, but in the end of it, I'm so glad that I had to go face to face with it and right. that I am now able to do it because I feel like I could almost do anything, you right. know, before I was, you know, um, I thought of myself as somebody that's like, yeah, kind of like scared easy and like, you know, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, not very tough, but right. After having completed that, I'm like, you know, there's probably not too much you could throw at me because that is the worst thing right. that I could have ever done. And I did it. So right. I don't really feel like there's much in life that I couldn't find my way through right. at this point. Cool. Yeah, because there's that, that saying, too, you, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. You I know? mean, it's the easiest obstacle out there. You just take a step. But yeah. if you cannot take that step. Totally. And for years, I would do the race and have to do a mile long penalty every five mile loop because 
I was just too scared and I didn't believe in myself enough, right? right. And then I just one day got sick of it and took that step right. and just never looked back. Nice. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So and so, were you always an athlete too? Like, where where did you grow up? And were you like in sports in school, or how did that how did that all kind of work out? Cause, uh, so I I'm you did from lots of Northern running. Alberta, yeah. um, and I was always a non-athlete, non-athlete, very specifically growing up in school. Like the least person you would ever think would become an athlete when yeah. they grew up. Um, so in elementary school, I remember the first race I ever did. It must have been like a 200 meter race. Um, and we all had to do it on sports day and just head down. I'm hammering. Everybody's hammering and we're running across this field. And then I hear screaming and I'm, I'm halfway across the field and I look up and everybody is across the finish line except for me, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm yeah. so bad at running. So I wasn't like, let's see if I can run really far right. because that did not make sense. It was like, wow, I'm really slow. I'm not good at running. So I'm going to hide in the bathroom for the rest of sports days for the rest of my life rather than do anything remotely oh. athletic. I can't oh, throw no. a ball. I can't catch a ball. I literally did no sports growing up. Yeah. Not at all. I would hide. Um, I swam a little bit. I rode horses um, later on, but um, just very decidedly non-athletic. And it wasn't until I stopped riding horses that I was going back to college. And my coach said, you know, you should really start jogging just to kind of lose weight. And at the same time, my dad was a runner, so I was kind of getting, you know, uh, more exposure to it. And I decided I'd sign up for this five-mile race. And I just like got hooked I just loved it because I figured like and I'm still the same way I my top speed is nothing you know amazing yeah. um it's just that I only have one speed and I can run that speed whether it's eight hours or two minutes right yeah. so um I think it's just a matter a lot of time of just trying different things and just finding your groove right and it, it took me years to do but um and I'm kind of sad that it you know I didn't do it sooner but at the same time I am really glad that that stuff rolled around in my life and I'm like hey you know yeah. like I'm not a great runner I'm not a sprinter but I can definitely like jog it out for a very long time so nice. was there was there somebody that inspired you like in your family or like you said your dad was a runner so that was always probably an influence but yeah he started later in life as well I think he was into his 50s when oh, he started wow. running yeah I mean we hiked as kids we were outdoorsy um, but if the bus was coming and I had to run for it, I wasn't about to like make a move. I will just catch the next one. So, um, I wouldn't say I was like a super inactive kid, but it was more things like hiking and playing right. in the Creek and stuff like that. So I always had that growing up. Um, so that kind of connection with nature really helps. And then my dad running later in life, you know, and seeing how, um, accomplished he felt at the end of these runs and, you know, the first time I ran, I got out of, we were doing a, he was doing a relay and I was just supporting it. And there was one leg that was downhill. And uh, it was funny because I'd never run a step in my life, but yeah. I was making fun of everybody like, oh, you know, as this sassy teenager, yeah. I'm like, I could totally run this. It's all downhill. So my dad basically kicked me out of the van and said, well, do it. And I remember I was just flying past people on this downhill. I was like, oh, what's wow. so hard? Like, it was like literally like five kilometers yeah. downhill or something. And uh, I'm thinking I'm like superstar, right? Flying down this hill and I could not walk for like three or four days <laughs> because of all the impact. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, as soon as I could walk again, though, I was like, okay, so what do we sign up for next? Nice. And then I did this short race and um, met some friends, went out to the Canadian Death Race, which is a five-leg ultramarathon in Grand Cache, northern Alberta. And so it ends up being 125 kilometers overall, or you can do it in legs. And 
my friends were doing it in legs and so I was witnessing at every station and there's this one guy who just run through and it looked like he was having like the time of his life just adventuring in the mountains and doing something that was really hard but at the same time like you could see that satisfaction yeah. kind of glowing through him and uh so I told my friends that night I was like I'm signing up for next year and they're like okay so what leg are you gonna do since you've only ever run like 8k yeah. you know and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do the whole thing. Like, if I'm going to sign up, I'm going to sign up for the whole thing. And they're yeah. like, you are crazy. Um, but I did. And I think I really used the fuel for people just thinking that I could not do it, right? right? To, like, kind of um, push me along in training. And I ended up finishing. And uh, so that's kind of where I started with the, the ultra stuff. And right. I kind of i have always gravitated to that sense, right. the really long distance stuff. So how long ago was that race? That was 2005. 2005, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's been a while now. Yeah, I mean, it's not that long, though, like from doing that to, to where you are now. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And did you, what was the first, like the actual, when you got into OCR, what, when did you start? Uh, or well, was I one? was coaching running at a store here locally in Vancouver. And um, so I was a serious runner who did not do obstacle course races <laughs> at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And my the lady that owned the store was always getting me like, oh, come do this like trail race and we're going to dress up and, you know, just all the fun races. So the Warrior Dash, which is kind of referred yeah. to as the gateway yeah, uh, OCR. Um, so it's 5K, really fun, was down in Whistler. So we went out and did this race and we kind of did it as a group and i remember running along and then like waiting for people at the yeah. obstacle and then yeah. doing the obstacle and then and then a friend was also doing the same kind of thing where we were waiting and you know we're like oh you know what this would be really fun to run it like just as fast as we could yeah. so then spartan rays came to town um and tough mutter came to town and so that's kind of we started together doing these a little bit faster and just you know trying to challenge ourselves and see how much time we could take off and then obviously we were just hooked and now yeah. I go out for, you know, a normal run and I'm like, oh, you know, I wish yeah. I could climb a rope yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, swing yeah. across something. Yeah. Uh, right yeah. On. So I think I, I think it's given me ADD yeah. uh, really is what it comes down to is I can't uh, I can't just run without doing something right. else. But no, that's good. Yeah. Little, little variety is always good. Right. Oh, yeah. It's addictive. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess. Is there anything that was like a setback for you or any roadblocks that you had um, that kind of, you know, made you like either rethink anything or or have to make some changes or I mean, I think uh, last time I was here with Di, he was mentioning something about having a back injury or getting I don't know if you want to talk about that. Oh, yeah, sorry no, to bring that up. Oh, no, I've, this is something I talked about a lot. OK, and uh, I'm always happy to kind of like I just like share to. Well, some people think like they see somebody who is doing well enough in their sport and they're like, oh, they were just born an athlete, which yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, and they're just like naturally they've never had anything, you know, um, happen that would uh, that would give them reason not to do it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So. Anywho, um, so I started running like seriously in 2004 yeah. and then in 2005 after the death race I went to Australia to do um, Ironman so it was hilarious because I had only ever ridden a spin bike since I was like really small I didn't really know how to swim I could float but yeah. not swim and uh, so yeah it was it was pretty much an uphill battle the triathlon but um, so I went to uh, Ironman Australia and then I thought, hey, this is really fun. Like it just added that other element, right, from just running. So I got into that, came back, 
did Ironman Canada and actually finished second in my age group, which I was just stoked about. And then a week after the race, I was riding my pedal bike on the highway near Sherd Park. And a fellow was going home from the dealership with his Chev Avalanche. And he was setting the radio dials. And I was over in the, um, the like side of the road sort of mm -hmm. thing, the shoulder. And so I had moved over a little bit because there was a bit of gravel. And then he moved over because he was setting his radio dial. And he just flat out rear-ended me at over 100K an hour. Thankfully, I was on a titanium bike. So it kind of like um, crushed in the front of his uh, truck. So I basically was like riding Titanic style on the front of his truck there because my bike went through his grill and it was sharp oh. enough it like held on. So I just remember thinking like, oh my God, just the sound of like the metal warping mm -hmm. and it's like so loud and so intense. And it was so intense. I was like, there's no way I'm making out of it. Mm -hmm. And the poor guy who hit me, he, the first thing he noticed was his rear view mirror smashed. And then he looks and he's like, oh my goodness, like the whole front of his truck is, you know, smashed in and right. there's somebody on there. So he hits the brakes. While he's doing that, I push. Um, and I remember getting my arm stuck in the grill and being like, oh, cause oh. it's all like bent up. And I'm like, oh, now I got my arm stuck in the grill and my bike's going this way and the truck's stopping, you know, kind of going. Um, so I pulled it out and then it's like a, like a weed eater just like rotating behind me. Like, oh. oh, my God, none of this is good. Go flying off the front of my bike. And then I'm like um, tobogganing on my bum on the like flat ground going so fast oh. and uh, just a weird feeling. So I put my leg out to stop and then my, I was going so fast I should not have done that. And so my leg snapped off to the side. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, no, not good uh, again, yeah, right? Good. Face down in the dirt. Um, it's like 3 o'clock on a holiday Monday. Thankfully, the car, the very next car, had like a, a nurse that was totally fully like kitted out. Like oh. had like a huge box in the back. Nice. The other person was um, just like a crazy good Samaritan that was behind him. So the nurse has me like you know, like in spinal position, like yeah. taking care of me a hundred percent. There's, so my arm uh, broke out of the uh, skin. Sorry, yeah. that's gross. But it's, so it's a compound yeah. fracture. So I've got two bones hanging out of my arm mm -hmm. and this just crazy good Samaritan guy like puts them to, and is holding my arm together. I like, I'm not sure I could do that yeah, if yeah, I was yeah. in his situation. So, I mean, I was just so blessed for that. And uh, the fellow that hit me called the ambulance and they came and so I ended up breaking my uh, back. I had a rotation compression fracture. So I was in a like body cast for six months. Um, and then obviously I broke my arm. And um, when my bone came out of my arm, it smashed right through uh, one of the muscles and one of the nerves. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I had nerve damage. Thankfully it grew back. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, not a huge chance that it was gonna grow back. And I only kind of learned that later in my rehabilitation, but I had no use of my hands. They had to put a brace on all the way from my arm to the tips of my fingers because like my hand was just totally limp. It busted right, right through my radial nerves. So, um, but a year and a half later it grew back and, you know, I did the like physio exercises and other than not having any feeling in that hand in a certain spot, it's, you know, like my grip has gone back. I have to like, when I go onto a rig, uh, which is like handholds that yeah. you traverse across using just your hands, I have to like think like, okay, I don't want my left hand on this ball because it's hard to grip. Right. So I kind of have to plan it out a little bit, but I mean, I am super lucky. I broke my, uh, also my leg. So I had a dancer's avulsion fracture. So my, uh, my adductor muscles kind of came off mm. my pelvis and cracked it. So mm. with my kids, I had to have C-section. Okay. So, you know, it's just little things that could have been a whole lot worse, yeah. but, uh, just kind of added to the challenge of life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as soon as I was, as soon as I was, uh, back up and walking, I was out there again, yeah. took a while on the bike. Cause I also had uh, PTSD. 
Okay. So the bike was uh, was a hard challenge for me, but um, I did my first, tried my, attempted my first 100 mile six months from the, or not six months, sorry, six months after getting out of my full body cast one year from the accident, kind of on the yeah. anniversary, and I made it 76 miles. So I was uh, pretty happy about that. You know, I may not have made it the whole 100 mm-hmm. miles, but it was like, you can still do this stuff. Yeah. So it was that like amazing affirmation that I can still go out and like take on these ridiculous uh, adventures and still have that piece of me. So right. I think that was really healing as soon as I kind of got back into it. And right. I know they were, um, you know, there was not a lot of enthusiasm that I would be able to run really long distances anymore just because the impact on the hip and the back and all that. But, um, you know, I always have my, I've had my setbacks ever since yeah. in terms of like how my body's working, but right. I always just wake up every day and I'm like, you know, uh, what, does my body need today right. you know is this going to help me or hurt me right. and if my body's not in a good way i find some other way you know right. like if my hip hurt then i would hop on the bike or go to the pool right. if my shoulder was hurting then i would stay away from upper body and do something with my legs but right. there's there's kind of always something you can do even if that's just stretching and mobilizing right yeah and i mean that's it's kind of you know it's amazing your, your attitude first of all it, seeing where you are now and and knowing just you know a little bit that i do know but your attitude about life and and just not looking at you know the problems but looking at solutions is just such an amazing way to look at life and and, you know i approach it in when i do my workouts too the same way because i've had some injuries and stuff go on too so it's like i used to power through everything and just like you know no pain no gain all that stuff and I do exactly the same thing. I'm like, okay, I want to do this today, but how do I feel? Is my back sore? Is this sore? Am I, you know, what did I do yesterday? You know, what do I, how do I want to feel after? So I, I totally relate to that. I love, I love that because, you know, a lot, so many people don't do that and they just power through and it's nice to know you can still be, you know, however, massively successful, successful by you know, actually listening to your body and not always just pushing yourself to the limits. And I think that goes with physically and mentally and, and everything in life. Right. So I just, I love that attitude. That's. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I'm 36 and most of the girls I'm racing are, (laughs) well, you know, like they're like 23 to maybe 25. Um, and so, and I've been doing this for a long time. Right. And I think that is a little bit, um, of my success too right is to just have a lot of experience so it's like i know how to get through this obstacle fast because i've done it a hundred times um so i think my my experience my maturity kind of helps in that sense um but i think the only way to get that kind of longevity in any sport is not hammering your body through things right and i think a lot of people have that all or none thing like Mm -hmm. they look on their training plan and they're like oh i have a 10k tempo today if i can't do it i'm not going to do anything i'm going to sit on the couch and eat chips and it's like no like you know you you just you find a way to do something that your body needs and it's just kind of almost like a constant conversation with how your body is doing and you know you can always do something you know even like if you broke your leg there's stuff you you can can do do push-ups probably or you can do inverted rows or you can do something yeah yeah, like even when I was in bed after my accident and I mean, I had broken my back and my arm and my leg, there was just still stuff I would do. If the physio, I mean, for the first little while, there's not a lot you can do other than lay there. Right. Um, but as soon as I was in physio and it was just like, try to move your hand. Yeah, it doesn't move, but you're like trying to like redevelop those neuro connections. So I'd spend like an hour just trying to twitch 
my finger. And I remember the first time that it twitched, it was actually in the physio office and everybody just screamed, yeah. right? Like it was literally just my thumb twitched, yeah. but everybody was like, oh my God. No, but I mean, it took hours and hours yeah. and hours. It's not like people think that either, you know, it's some sort of like external thing that makes your body perform mm -hmm. and do things and heal. And, you know, there's a lot that you can do yeah. to like, facilitate your body yeah. you know you can i mean we can change the wiring in our brain we can yeah i believe that anyways. oh it's powerful you absolutely can yeah that's amazing i uh after the accident do you you talked a little bit about ptsd but do you, how how do you think uh it was on you mentally versus physically like the mental challenges versus the physical challenges because i've heard you know, a lot of times, and I look at myself and my experience too, is a lot of times the physical injuries get dealt with first, you know, if you're depending on what it is. And, you know, it seems easy, not easy, but it's easier than, you know, uh, sometimes having to deal with if there are any mental issues. So, how, what do Oh, you definitely. Yeah. That? Like for me, the PTSD more manifested itself in like, I'd be riding my bike and right. then I, the a car would come too close or something, right. you know, and then I'd throw myself off my bike and be mm -hmm. like, you know, in the fetal position yeah. <laughs> for a few minutes. Um, Understandable. So again, I mean, there, there are tactics that I feel like have just kind of served me well in yeah. life. So um, my husband was really great uh, off the bat. So he'd ride in front of me and I'd stare at his wheel and mm -hmm. start singing, mm -hmm. you know, and we'd sing just stupid songs um, just to try to like deal with it. You know, I did like some of the tapping mm -hmm. and um, I, I really feel like Tough Mudder for me has been incredibly therapeutic because right. for me, the PTSD more manifested itself in like extreme terror. So right. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with these things called night terrors yes. that little kids get. Um, just like screaming and I'd be awake kind of, but not really. And uh, I'd be like punching and hitting. And like literally at one point, um, I, the first time I actually met my husband's family, we went camping, which yeah. <laughs> wasn't very good. And we were talking about riding on the road the next day and driving in. I was freaking out because there was a lot of cars. It was very busy and the shoulder wasn't that um, thick, but I didn't see anything. I just kind of kept it in. And in the middle of the night, I literally woke up screaming and had blood in my mouth. I was screaming so loud. Oh. Um, everybody in the campsite was woken up because right. I, I was screaming for like 10 minutes straight. Um, these people came over and they thought basically that my husband had axe murdered. My now husband had axe murdered me to death because he's like, she's okay. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. And they're like, can we hear the woman say that? Yeah, don't come in here, but she's <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> There's a lot of blood in this tent. No. And then the police came. So not only oh, like, did the other campers came, but the, the owner of the campsite and then the police, it was like, oh my goodness. So, and then, yeah, I had a few episodes like that where I just yeah. wake up just screaming. And it was always like, we'd try to figure out like what was triggering them. Obviously in that case, it was the fear of riding on the road the For next sure. day. Um, but just so I, you know, would have to like figure out a way to like, um, stop those triggers from happening and mm -hmm. like really like delve inside myself and, um, try to make sure that I'm calm and, um, yeah, like it, it's, it's just interesting, right? Cause yeah. when you have something like that, you're almost like another person and yeah. you're like, who is this person that's yeah. waking up and screaming till their like mouth is filled with yeah. blood in the middle of the night, you know? And how do I find enough peace and centering? before bed that that doesn't happen again, right. right? So 
for me, it was really a journey and uh, just about confronting that fear. And with, I, I hate jumping. Like I'd never go down a slide when I was smaller. I'd actually go down like twirly slides holding onto the side the entire time. It was hilarious. <laughs> All the videos that my parents took of me like daredevil going down an inch of a time at the, at the slides. But um, so that, that obviously then became a trigger is jumping off things because I had this fear and then I had this PTSD. Yeah. And so they have pictures of me at the world's toughest matter at the cliff where I'm just like holding my head yeah. and just like, I can't like, oh, man. I cannot will myself off. <coughs> so I think just even like finding ways to embrace that fear has really, really been therapeutic right. for me. Um, but that's, that's really how it manifested in just intense, intense fear. And then, you know, I was confronted with it so often right. um, that I would literally just go to the Vancouver Aquatic Center and jump slowly off like the side and then the bigger one and then the bigger one. I'd stand on the edge of the board for like an hour until I got so bored because I tell myself there's only one way out. You have to jump off this. Right. And so I'd stand there until I was like, you know, calm enough and bored enough. I would just take a step and jump off. And it's funny. The lifeguards are like, why are you here? It doesn't even seem like you like it. Yeah. <laughs> you stay here crying on the side of the diving board for an hour a day, every day. But, um, yeah. So, you know, just, just finding these ways of, of dealing with right. your fear. It's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, I can totally relate to everything you're talking about with the PTSD and having the night terrors and the triggers and all that stuff. And I think the difficult part too, uh, is that, there it's like a it's a silent injury right it's not like you can physically see your arm poking out of your skin so okay that's how we rehab that and that's how we fix that and you know there's a specific program and with with the uh you know the the mental health part of it it's like you can't see it you just feel it and so it's hard for any for people to understand and you know you just you do have to find you know a lot of it, it well actually most of it is you do need some help. I, I, I did need help. Um, but you know, you do, you have to do the work on your own. Like you have to figure it out yourself and, and at some point have either an aha moment or, you know, which most people seem to do, uh, and just, you know, that you have to take some responsibility for it and try and work it out yourself and conquer those you know, all those obstacles, right? So. Oh, definitely. And it's, it's funny because it just seems like so foreign, you know, I think getting to know, um, getting to know your mental health um, issue is kind of the first part of overcoming it, right? right? Um, I know I sat down, I didn't have a lot of luck with therapists in yeah. terms of like, this is an aha moment. It was more just like me kind of constantly butting up to it and being like, okay, so what is going on here? Yeah. Who is this person? And what is it doing? You know? and why um, but I did have one therapist um, that told me that she thinks part of the problem was that I am like a mover you know you mm -hmm. have the fight the flight yeah. and the freeze and I'm not a freezer yeah. I am a flighter and so when I was hit I was immobilized instantly because I had a spinal injury yeah. right um, but I kept on asking to get up over and over and over again and like trying to like almost fight them off so that I could get up and run and like just move around and mm -hmm. shake it off right you see these animals um, in the wild, like a deer or something, and you notice it'll freeze. But then the second that um, the predator or whatever has spooked it yeah. goes away, the thing like shakes out and yeah. runs and like shakes it off. And I just never had a chance to do that. So it's like almost like it was like this 
you know, urge to flight that kind of was stuck in my body and I was kind of immobilized and frozen. Right. Um, so I think that too was a huge part of it is just that it was, you know, like I was trapped in the right. situation at the time. And so just kind of overcoming that has been a big step in just rehabbing it. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Like uh, I just, you know, uh, it's amazing the more people I talk to and just talking about, you know, different things, you know, obstacles in their lives and everything. I just think it's so fascinating. The human body is fascinating. And if we take the time to explore our own bodies and figure out how they work and how we can actually, we are responsible for our own health and happiness and all that too, right? So the more that, you know, the more that uh, I talk to people, the more that we can maybe even help people realize that, you know, and maybe that figure that they can you know start doing some amazing things too not that they're not doing amazing things but maybe even just more of a fulfill fulfillment in their life right and oh yeah so and I think it's the amazing. worst i see like the hardest for me is when i see somebody who is just constantly victimizing themselves mm -hmm. and they feel just powerless and that just breaks my heart yeah. right because you know, almost in no situation are you powerless. Right. Almost in no situation do you have absolutely no control. I mean, I realize that there are people that have had far worse. I mean, yes. what I have overcome is a hangnail compared to what a lot of people have overcome. Yeah. Um, like you say, with my arm, they just put a screw back and it was yeah. fine. Like they just nailed it back together and everything is fine, right? Um, but there's certainly people that have overcome a lot more. But even even in the worst of situations, you still can make choices, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that's that's a very powerful thing. And for that to be taken away from somebody because they are constantly, you know, feeling like they're in this victimized, powerless position. That's just I think that's kind of when they've yeah. they've lost the struggle. Right. Yeah. And it's really I, th I find it really difficult too. I feel the same way when I see someone now now the way that I am and healed and, you know, the way I take responsibility for my life and, all, you know, all those, all the things that I've learned and you see somebody and, and you just go, Oh my, I wish you could just know what I know or realize what I, what, you know, what I've learned and, and just, if I could just put it in your head because you can't tell someone that's in the crisis, Oh, just do it. Just do it yourself. It's all up to you. It's your responsibility. You got to take control, you know, because that doesn't always work for someone who's in a in a crisis. So there's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of work. It it definitely, you know, uh, is something that has to be. I don't know how you actually do that, but like uh, yeah, my thing like, is always like you need to start like putting people more in like the tough matter. Yeah, um, yeah, you yeah. know, because like you get this like in Atlanta I so there was a huge um, set of mud pits and yeah. they were over your head and really slippery and it was almost impossible to do almost impossible to do <laughs> without the help of somebody else and normally in a tough mudder you help um, but when I came in I literally jumped into the mud pit and then they said obstacle is closed so nobody behind me had to do this thing mm. and nobody was in the mud pits with me and there was about eight of them over my head and I just I like lost all my fingernails because mm. I was just clawing through the mud and I just found a way. But you can't get hung up on the fact that, right. oh, no, I was the only one that had to do this obstacle. Right. You just get it done right. and you just keep moving on. And that's part of it, you know. So I think there's just so many lessons there to be learned yeah. in these like, you know, obstacle course races and these adventures because 
you know, life isn't always fair. Sometimes you're the only one in the pit yeah. and you just figure your way through. And if you want to have a miserable experience because you're the only one that had to do the mud pit, yeah. you know, and so I have these conversations. It's not easy, you know, but yeah. I have these conversations with myself and I start like, oh, I'm the only one. I'm like, okay, so you cannot change the fact that you had to do the mud pit. You can change the fact that you're reacting to it poorly, yeah. you know, and that ultimately is all you have control over. But that means a lot yeah. is you cannot control the experiences externally obviously but internally i mean you have all the power in the world yeah. to like decide how you're going to react to something right totally yeah and i mean if you're waiting just like being in the mud pit if you're waiting for someone to come and help you and rescue you you're waiting your whole life for someone to help you and rescue you it's not going to happen no you're going to find a way out right. and you will and right. it seems impossible but you just keep trying different things and you know, soon enough you'll, and you know, like now I'll go to a race and people are like, how did you make it through those mud pits? I'm like, well, I just soloed it. And they're like, how do you solo that? Like, no, you need help. And I'm like, actually, yeah. <laughs> like I had to find out the hard way. Yeah. Right. Um, my daughter was just doing a, um, she's in grade one yeah. and she was just doing a unit on butterflies. And I found it quite interesting because with the chrysalis, they have to fight their way out and you want to help them, right? Like they had yeah, the little yeah. butterflies and you just want to help like cut. And then the butterfly will come out like deformed or just not strong enough to survive. So they kind of need that like struggle and need that fight to get stronger. And I think in most situations where you have to struggle, that's how it is. You know, yeah. you end up coming out stronger. And I think a lot of times like, you know, you meet people that have overcome things and they're just like very interesting, very strong people. And I think it's because they've had to overcome something. Right. right? And they've it's grown them as humans. So as as much as it sucks to have challenges and like things that are hardships and hard to overcome, they just, you know, you have to understand that in the end, they are going to make you a better person, right. even though they may, you know, for this temporary time be just awful, terrible things. Right. No, I love it. And yeah, it's just so many amazing life lessons. You know, I, I like the life lessons in sports and uh, yeah, it's just life is so cool. I love, I love talking about all this stuff. So. Uh, I was just all I, all I wanted to see is uh, because, you know, when I went through my stuff, too, I just I was really I had already started developing some routines, you know, to kind of get me focused and, you know, keep me on, you know, on track. And that do you do you have like a daily routine or do you what you do mostly or do you just kind of like now you're just kind of, you know, maybe winging it or like or be, I mean, I guess with young kids, too, I remember it's a it's a little bit of a struggle sometimes to be in that routine, right? Because they're kind of taking over, especially in the morning and stuff like that. But do you yeah. do you have any kind of routine, or is there like a I race do. prep kind of thing? Or? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, so, it changes throughout the year, right? Yeah. Like in the winter time, I'll usually be like lifting more and like um, just kind of trying to like bulk up and put on some like mass mm -hmm. so that I don't lose everything I have when I start running 100 mile weeks. Um, but generally I'll wake up in the morning and I'll do my like anti camp workout, which is like circuit training. So mm -hmm. it'll be like, you know, run and then pull ups and then push ups and, um, whatever happens to be on my training. And so that's usually, you know, like I'll try to get on the treadmill at 6am and then usually after that, the kids wake up. But at the same time, I think with young kids, sometimes like I'll get 10 minutes into my workout or halfway through and then they're like, hello, mm -hmm. like uh, we woke up early and you're like, okay. Yeah. So, um, I have these like routines and these schedules, but at the same time they're flexible and I right. don't, I don't make it, you know, like first off I want to be a good mom. So if yeah. that means jumping off the treadmill and like figuring it out later in the day, that's what happens. Right. 
Um, and then they wake up and, and obviously things are going to change with the summer here. So generally we'll do like some homeschool stuff and then um, do like some sort of uh, field trip outing sort of thing. So right. and I, we don't have a car anymore, which makes things interesting. So I take both kids on the back of my bike. Or sometimes I'll even run there with a the stroller, even though my older kid is way too big. Yeah. She still thinks it's hilarious, and it ends up being a really good workout. So we'll do that. You know, like maybe we'll go for a hike, and I'll carry the little one while the bigger one walks. Or you don't do um, the girls grind anymore with both of them. Oh on my your, god, uh, with a seven-year-old and on the front, and the, <laughs> the front and the back. I saw that picture. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. When awesome. they were little, like my youngest was one, and my older one was like four. Yeah. Then I'd put her, they put them both yeah. on me and climb up the girl's grind, which was a <laughs> really good workout. That is awesome. Um, especially because I had to sing the entire time, which you can't yeah. see in the picture, but yeah. I'm singing like old McDonald had a farm on repeat pretty much to keep them entertained. Um, but yeah, so we'll do something. I try to like build in um, some more like activity basically with commuting and stuff. Um, and then I'll have another workout in the afternoon, um, usually like either running based or like some more strength stuff, depending on the time. Um, and then sometimes I'll teach a class like I, so I do coaching some, so sometimes I coach at night. Um, but other times, you know, just do like family stuff mm -hmm. and, um, try to work like computer mm -hmm. and stuff like that. in during the day, sometimes it's while they're doing their work, I'll pop yeah. on and be like, send a few emails or, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, it just ends up being, I end up multitasking a lot. So yeah. like while the kids are having baths at night, um, we have a pull-up bar now just on the bathroom door and I'll like do pull-ups while I watch them in the bathtub right. sort of thing. Or, um, we have one, actually we have pull-up bars all over our house. It's kind of sad, different pull-up bars. Um, but we have one right in the kitchen. So I'll be like, you know, making dinner and I'll be like 10 pull-ups yeah, and then yeah, I'll cool. like stir the pasta and then 10 yeah. pull-ups. So, nice. um, yeah, yeah. We'll do like a lot. Like if I met their, you know, ballet class or something, I end up using it just to stretch. So while I watch the class, I don't just sit there, I'm stretching. Right. Um, so yeah, th I'm constantly kind of always on the motion, always like yeah. trying to like make, you know, um, the day most efficient yeah. as possible. The so. ac your active lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. 24 seven. Yeah. Cool. All right, cool. So what's, uh, what's next? You got anything coming up or any races or. Yeah. So the big one hasn't happened this year. Um, the okay. toughest series, so the eight hour overnight, yeah. That was um, created because they have this 24-hour World's Toughest Mudder. So it's 24 hours of a Tough Mudder course. And that's like the big, the biggest race in OCR as far as I'm concerned. Um, but it's like the world champs. And so that's in November. It's in Atlanta this year. Um, it's been in Las Vegas the last few years. So I'm really looking forward to the venue change because four years in Las Vegas running around the exact same desert was getting a little nice. old. So I'm like, thank goodness, venue change because it's yeah. going to kind of breathe new life into the race and no cliff. So. Yeah. Um, I've got that, I've got that said anyways, I think at this point, but, um, so world's toughest mudder at the end of the year. And then I have two more toughest leading up. So Berlin in, uh, September 1st, and then there's actually one in Northern California oh, that cool. was rescheduled, um, because they had mudslides for the last one. So right. that's in October. So I have two more toughest and then a world's toughest mudder and just some little fun races yeah. in there as well. So, nice. so that's, that's it for 2018. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. That. yeah. Well, wow, usually I awesome, race yeah. every weekend, at yeah. least once a weekend. Oh, wow, okay. So it's like a huge change for me. I've taken back on things like, you know, Spartan races. I love them, but yeah. it's just, it ends up being so much travel. And now yeah. that the kids are not like sitting as infants on my lap, um, it's, it's harder to travel and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm just uh, really focusing on like the bigger, longer races and doing a little bit less of the ones right. that I would do just for fun. Right. So, and then you also have this massively amazing, awesome gym, Van City OCR. So how did that come about and, uh, where, well, I know where to find it, but where can people find you and what, uh, what kind of classes you got? And yeah, 
well, oh, I've okay. been coaching obstacle course racing now in the Vancouver area since 2012, but just kind of outside. Um, and it becomes kind of hard to work on some of the like grip and agility stuff because it's very wet here, especially in the winter time. So we wanted an indoor space to train mm -hmm. and I ended up partnering up with somebody that is like a phenomenal, like explosive athlete, just like muscle up, sand ladder, back like flips and all this stuff. So I think we're a really good complement in terms of that. He covers off that like Ninja Warrior explosive stuff mm -hmm. and I can hang off a bar for days. So um yeah we we decided to come together and just kind of offer a gym that um has the gamut of obstacle course races from ninja warrior right. to world's toughest mudder covered um so we do like functional fitness classes and we do a lot of kid stuff a lot of kid yeah. stuff they love the ninja warrior yeah my son comes um, uh, yeah 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 that. yeah and uh now we do a little parkour stuff some gymnastics and tumbling so yeah we just offer like stuff that's going to make you a better like functional athlete right um and so that's kind of kind of what we do here and cool. it's really fun you know you get like people coming for their first like spartan race yeah. training and it's really neat to like just be a part of that nice. process because you can just see that like everything is just like they come in and they're like i can't do anything oh my god why am yeah. i here and then you know months and months later they're rocking the monkey bars you know and i had my first client she couldn't do a literally could not go from one monkey bar to the next could right. not and I think it's a year she was working and she fell off the monkey bars constantly and she did a Spartan race clean with no burpees. Right. So nice. that's huge, right? Yeah. Like such a big accomplishment. And just to get to be a part of that is right. like, yeah. I mean, it's better than racing, right? Is just being a part of somebody else's journey. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's just a really special thing, I think. Yeah. And you guys have, you guys just hosted the, like your own kind of Ninja Warrior uh, yeah, competition. Yeah, uh, you and UNAA, yeah. um, so the United Ninja Athletic Association, they um, approached us, and so yeah. we did one of those, cool. um, which was really fun, just a competition, and yeah, just seeing like a lot of kids coming out, which is really fun, and then like a lot of like high-level athletes um, that are adults, so we kind of had like a really good spectrum. Nice. Uh, my personal favorite was the kids, just yeah. because, you know, like they looked so nervous, and then yeah. they were just so jazzed to, you know, get through it, so... Cool. And then, so they qualified to go to. Yeah, to Albuquerque yeah. for the world championship. So we have a number of athletes. Yeah. Playing. So That's it's going to so be like awesome. a really good showing there. Yeah. And yeah, some of our kids, like, I mean, they're like 10 years old and they're way better than I am. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my goodness, like just amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, so that, that's awesome. Cool. And they can find, uh, the website van city is it van city ocr dot yeah, van city ocr dot com okay so yeah van city ocr dot com they can they can find us there and uh i mean even if you're not in the vancouver area you right. can always just like come in and check us out yeah. we're we're really friendly we just are really big on like building the obstacle course racing community so yeah. anybody that wants to come in when they're traveling or whatever we we love drop-ins right. and just meeting new people we're always always about that because you're you're pretty much the first you were the first and maybe still the only multi-functional obstacle course slash ninja training facility. Like yeah, yeah. We were definitely the first. There's now another one yeah. um, that has like obstacle course racing, but they also like they're like a, one of those gyms that has a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, I think the guy worked at, at Gold's Gym and then opened it up. So it's like he's got like a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah. And like the nin he doesn't do obstacle course racing, right. I don't think. Um, so not like Tough Mudder and Spartan and that mm -hmm. sort of thing, but he does like Ninja for kids, I think is um, a, like a variant part of his 
program. So he's not a hundred percent obstacle. And, um, so we're still like the only hundred percent obstacle right. gym, but, um, Cool. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I think more and more are just going to come up, yeah. right? Because it's just like such a fun way. Like people yeah. don't even, like you work out so hard, yeah. but you don't feel like you're working right. out, right? You're not just, just like pushing weights. You're actually yeah, you're like doing functional something. functional training. Yeah, so, yeah that's yeah. awesome. With the warp walls. The it's kind of like old school CrossFit too, some of the classes, right? Mm -hmm. Like where you're like using sandbags and climbing ropes yeah. and some of the stuff that they've now moved into more like Olympic lifting and right. like really, really like big on the lifts. Yeah. And we're less about that. We're right. just more about like, more like a Metcon, like your yeah. like heart is pumping and you're climbing a rope and yeah. you know, jumping over tires. And so it's, it's a little bit more old school CrossFit yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I, I love the workout today. And yeah, uh, good. yeah, thank you so much for inviting me out. First of all, getting me out of bed super early because I definitely wouldn't have done that on my own. And now it's going to be like eight o'clock in the morning or something. And, and we've had a workout and we've had a great conversation. Yeah, that's and pretty now big I get to start my day. I know. We've it's, had some, we've had some goals. I'm excited. So, well, any, do you have just one last, you know, piece of advice or anything for anybody who wants to start, you know, obstacle course racing or, or just any kind of advice, life advice, or what's any, some advice you got or anything? You know, you know? I think it's just about doing what you love in life and i think that is you know you're just gonna win so if you don't like computer programming then don't be a computer program yeah. spend your entire day computer programming right. if you love it do it right um and i think it's the same with fitness like people go in and they're like oh i hate fitness i hate being on the like i hate being on the elliptical of course mm -hmm. you hate it like who likes being on there's yeah. probably somebody if you love the elliptical do it like yes. you know if that's your happy place but there are so many different ways like i know one of my friends that's a crossfit games athlete thought running was the only way to fitness and she's like right. i suck at running like yeah. i'm like 175 pounds of like solid muscle yeah. i'm not a runner but at in the time she thought that was all you can do and then she found crossfit and she's like you know what i'm good at lifting huge things yeah so it's like and i would suck and hate fitness and yeah. never come back if it was like just deadlift as much as you can all the time so i think it's about just finding what you love and sticking with it. And at the same time, just throwing in a little bit of hard stuff. So you should do something kind of hard each day, right? Like I'm not great at lifting, um, but like this morning I did a whole bunch of front squats, right? So it makes you a better athlete and right. it makes you appreciate what you love that much more. So, you know, it, I think it's mostly about just finding what you love and sticking with it and like letting that drive you to do some hard stuff, right? Cool. Cause if you love, like I love obstacle course racing, yeah. I'm not great at lifting stuff, but I want to be a better obstacle course racer. Right. So you know what? I'm lifting stuff and it gives me the motivation to do it. It gives me the motivation to eat better. Like I have a week off and I tell you, like I'm like eating like junk and I'm yeah. not sleeping. I'm like watching Netflix at night. <sighs> and then I get back into training and I'm like, no, I want to eat. Oh, yeah. I better fill my, like everything. Just yeah. like, you know, like you change one thing, you find one thing you love and one thing that drives you and your whole life just kind of like silos down this path where you just like want to be better. I know lastly, there's this um, story about this Olympic rowing team. And one year they told themselves just like what makes the boat go faster, you know? And like, will they go to the movies? No, because that doesn't make the boat go faster. Are they going to eat like, you know, leafy greens and drink lots of water? Yes, because that will make the go boat go faster. So sometimes like, you know, when I'm trying to like hunker down, like right now where I'm looking forward to World's Toughest Mudder, I'm just like, okay, what's going to make this boat go faster? Right. And it's just neat to be able to like kind of push yourself and get the most out of your body and mm. out of your life. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll end with that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's that's a great way to end it. And uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm truly grateful, you know, for you taking the time out of your day to uh, 
to speak with me and, uh, you know, maybe help a couple people. And anyways, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we can do it again. I'm definitely coming back for another workout. That was so awesome. I, I need to get back in the, because I have my gym at home. So it's so easy to go downstairs and do that. But this was awesome. I loved it. And, and I did like the, I'm almost cringing saying it, but I like the six o'clock workout because we're done. It just gets you going. And with people, there's something that magic that happens, right? Like me, I work out by myself a yeah. lot too, but I love working out yeah. with people. It's like, it's you, energy. It's like that it's runner's the energy, high or that like you adrenaline know, even, you get. It's like, yeah. yeah. You just like that group, you feel it, right? It's yeah. amazing. And I think, you know, we're made to be be with people doing stuff like that. So, yeah, it's magic. Well, I, I think too, even doing these conversations, having these conversations over the phone is different than the energy talking to someone you look someone in the eye you you know it just it's just different yeah, so i agree too yeah. let's be around yeah, people and uh <laughs> yeah okay we'll thank talk you. to you later thanks allison yeah wow that was awesome thank you so much allison for taking the time out of your day to to talk to us and thank you everyone who listened to this podcast thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast and, you know, maybe learn a few things, maybe get inspired because that is the whole point of this podcast. I want to help try to inspire people to do great things by sharing inspiring stories of people who've overcome their obstacles and are being resilient and doing what they love. Like Allison said, do what you love because really you may never know what results come of your action, but if you do nothing, there will be no result. So go do what you love and you will find happiness. All right. That being said, please check out Allison on online, vancityocr.com. Check out her gym. It is amazing. They have so many classes for different uh, fitness levels, families, Spartan race training, obstacle course race training, ninja warrior training, kids. They have an amazing kids program. So much in there for the kids. It's just amazing. My son goes there. Uh, check her out on her social media as Yo Mama So Fit on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find us as well, www.beyondthebigredtruck.com. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. And check me out on Instagram at fit brains or at Beyond the Big Red Truck. And on Facebook, uh, Beyond the Big Red Truck or my personal page. Brad Robinson. He's got some good information on there. Just building this community, building this purpose, building this community of like-minded people who just want to make their lives a little better. And hopefully I can help in a little tiny little way to make that a little bit easier for you. Anyways, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Brad and this is Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast.